This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Star Wars Legends Lounge, the show that celebrates the books from Star Wars Legends. I'm Aaron Motes. We made it! One full year of the podcast. Today is the final episode of Season 1, and I want to thank everyone that's made this first season so much fun, and for giving me the chance to chat with you about these stories that I grew up enjoying. So, for today's final episode of the season... It's the Legends book that started it all, Splinter of the Mind's Eye, by Alan Dean Foster. There's no listener question this week, but before I dive into the book, allow me to reflect a little bit on the past year and look ahead to the second season of the show. First of all, I want to thank you all so much for listening. When I decided to do the podcast, I just wanted to talk about some of my favorite Star Wars stories with other fans. But I didn't want to get involved with all the arguments over, is this canon, is that canon? I just wanted to talk about the stories that I grew up with in the 90s. What works for me, what doesn't, and how my opinions may have changed over time. I love the Legends timeline, even with all of its messiness. Do some of the books contradict others? Yes. Are there some stories that don't seem to make sense from a character perspective? Absolutely. But most of these stories are just really fun to read. And if listening to an episode of this show entices someone who's never heard of some of these books to want to read one, you don't know how happy that would make me. When I started the show, I honestly thought the only people that would want to tune in would be the three or four fans of Wedge Antilles that I joke around with on my personal Twitter account. And maybe four or five Legends fans that are just searching through their podcast directories for something to listen to. But the number of people that have downloaded the show this year is truly staggering to me. As of the time I'm recording today, the show has been downloaded more than 5,400 times this year. Almost 120 downloads just this week alone. Seriously, I can't thank you all enough for listening and for reaching out and contacting me. I've gotten some really great messages and questions from people this year, and hopefully that continues into the show's second season. Please, if you have a question about anything in Legends or in Canon, get in touch with me on the show's Twitter page or email address. You may hear your question on the show. Now, let me quickly go over my plans for the show's future. I'm going to take a little break for the holidays, give me some time to relax, hang out with my family, and recharge my batteries. But it won't be a long break. Season 2 will begin with the most popular story in Legends, the original Thrawn trilogy by Timothy Zahn. 
Look for the episode on Heir to the Empire on Friday, January 7th. So, let's get into today's episode. But first, if you'd like to get in touch with the podcast, please feel free to contact the show. You can email me at swlegendslounge at gmail.com or send me a tweet at legendslounge1. Now, today's book, Splinter of the Mind's Eye by Alan Dean Foster. Grab yourself a drink. Let's head in to the Star Wars Legends Lounge. Before I get into the plot summary, a little bit about the book's history. Splinter of the Mind's Eye was published in February 1978, the same month that I was born. The author, Alan Dean Foster, wrote the novelization of A New Hope. As many Star Wars fans know, George Lucas was so frustrated with the production of A New Hope that he was convinced the movie was going to bomb, and he probably wouldn't be able to tell his entire Star Wars story. But, just in case he couldn't continue the story in the way he originally intended with The Empire Strikes Back, Lucas wanted the stories about Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader to continue. And so, Splinter of the Mind's Eye was created. It's a smaller story. It takes place on only one world. And it's almost entirely focused on just Luke and Leia. Han Solo and Chewbacca aren't even in the book. Splinter of the Mind's Eye was written before Lucas made Luke and Leia siblings or before he made Darth Vader, Anakin Skywalker. So, in retrospect, there are a lot of interesting parts of the book where Luke and Leia deal with their attraction to one another. We get a lot of the characters' inner thoughts about the other, especially Luke and his attraction to Leia, and what could a simple farm boy really offer a princess romantically. So, keep all these things in mind if you ever want to read Splinter of the Mind's Eye. It's not essential, but it's definitely an interesting look at one of the possible paths the Star Wars saga could have gone if A New Hope had not been such a hit. The story begins with Luke and Leia traveling through the Sarkarpus system with R2 and 3PO on their way to Sarkarpus 4. There's a meeting with the Rebellion Underground, and Leia is desperate to attend. As they pass the planet Sarkarpus 5, known by most people as Memben, their fighters hit an energy storm, knocking out Leia's engines, forcing her to crash land on the swampy planet. Luke follows, and his X-Wing also takes some damage upon landing. Stuck in the swamps without a ship, the two discover a landing beacon on their sensors. It's a few days' hike, but they eventually come to a small mining town. There, they discover a secret, small Imperial garrison. Curious, Leia discovers the Empire has set up an energy mining operation using forced labor. The two steal disguises from a miner's clothing shop and sneak into the town. Leia wants to learn more about the mining operation and report to the Rebellion. And they need to find a way off the planet. Eventually, the two enter a bar and find a table where they can eavesdrop on the conversations between the local miners and off-duty Imperials. 
As Luke and Leia scout the bar, they see one of the Imperials harassing a native, a small green biped, begging for alcohol. Leia is sickened by what she sees, but Luke warns her against doing anything. They don't want to draw attention to themselves. But eventually, an off-duty officer takes note of the out-of-towners and starts questioning them. At one point of the interrogation, Leia's temper starts to rise. But before she can say anything that will get them into trouble, Luke slaps her across the face, telling the officer that Leia is his servant girl and apologizes if her answers were bothering the Imperial. Satisfied that the two won't be any trouble, the officer leaves, but he's quickly replaced by an old woman. She introduces herself as Hala and tells Luke that she knows that he is Force-sensitive. Luke is stunned, and Hala reveals that she can feel the Force also, especially in the presence of the Kyber Crystal. Kyber Crystal? Luke asks. Yes, says Hala. A large crystal that magnifies Force powers. Luke is skeptical, but Hala produces a small splinter of the crystal, a shard that she claims was taken from the full crystal. Hala hands the splinter to Luke, and he immediately feels the crystal's effects. It's like the force has opened all around him, surrounding the area inside the bar. Hala says the entire crystal is hidden in a temple deep in the swamp, and she wants to find it before the Imperials or the Miners do. Hala tells Luke and Leia that if they help her find the Kyber crystal, she'll help them find passage off Mimbin. When they leave the bar... Leia snaps at Luke for slapping her. He falls off the walkway into some mud and pulls Leia down on top of him. The two playfully roll around in the mud as a group of miners comes out of the bar. The miners tell them to stop, and one grabs Leia from behind. Luke jumps to her rescue, and a full-on brawl breaks out in the mud. The noise draws the attention of a group of stormtroopers who arrest Luke, Leia, and the miners as Hala and the two droids watch on. At the jail, Luke and Leia are questioned by Imperial Captain Supervisor Grommel. Grommel confiscates Luke's lightsaber and finds the kyber crystal shard in his jacket pocket. When the Imperials are unable to find any identification on the two, Luke tells Grommel that their IDs must have fallen out in the mud during the fight. Grommel doesn't believe Luke and promises to find out who they are. Luke and Leia are thrown into a cell with a pair of drunken yuzum, large furry bipeds that are very strong and have very sharp teeth. As Luke and Leia bide their time in the small cell, Grommel calms Imperial Governor Ben Isada on the planet Jindine. Grommel tells Isada about the two prisoners and piques the governor's interest by showing him the splinter of the crystal. Isada orders Grommel to make sure nothing happens to the two prisoners and promises to send a very important Imperial representative to take over the investigation. Back in the cell, Luke and Leia try to figure out what they're going to do when Hala and the droids come to the cell's window. Hala uses the Force to raise Luke's food tray, levitating it across the floor, and presses the tray to the cell's control panel, opening the door. The four prisoners escape through the administrative building, with the Yuzum taking the lead, tearing apart any Imperials they encounter along the way. They meet up with Hala and the droids and steal an Imperial transport, driving off into the swamp toward the temple of Pomojima, where Hala says 
they'll find the kyber crystal. A few days later, as they continue driving through the Mimbin swamps, they're attacked by a monstrous worm called a Wendrella. The worm disables the swamp transport, forcing the group to flee on foot. The Wandrella splits Luke and Leia from the rest of the group when they come across a deep pit. They find a vine ladder on one side of the pit and descend into the darkness. Deep in the well, they find a ledge and try to hide in a shadowy crevice. With the scent of prey still in the air, the Wendrella tries to reach Luke and Leia, but the two are too deep. The monstrous worm slips and falls past Luke and Leia into the bottomless pit, destroying the vine ladder and their only way out. Soon, Hala, the Yuzum, and the droids appear above the rim of the pit. Hala shouts down that Luke and Leia have stumbled upon a Koe well. The Koe are another native species to Mimbin, a humanoid species that live underground and are covered by red down. Searching along the ledge, Luke and Leia discover a passageway under the ground. Hala tells them to follow the trail while she and the Yuzum search for where it comes out on the surface. Luke and Leia follow the trail until it ends at an underground lake. Along the shore, they find humongous water pads. Luke cuts the stem from one of the pads, and he and Leia begin rowing across the lake. When they reach the other side, they find what they believe to be an abandoned underground city. They continue to follow the trail through the city when they're ambushed by the Koe. Luke and Leia are captured and are reunited with Hala and the Yuzum, who were also captured when they entered the Koe underground. Hala negotiates with the Koe and convinces the natives into fighting for their freedom. If Luke can defeat the Koe champion, the group will be returned to the surface. If not, they'll be executed. Reluctantly, Luke agrees. The fight is hand-to-hand along the rocky shore of the lake. Luke gets in a few good shots early, but the Koe quickly gets the upper hand and forces Luke's head under the water. As he splashes around in the darkness, Luke grabs a large rock, but his strength fades as he starts to fall into unconsciousness. Suddenly, the Koe lets Luke go, and he springs to the surface, gasping for air. Confused, Luke looks around and sees the Koe champion lying on the shore with other Koei surrounding him, tending to a small head wound. Hala and Leia arrive at Luke's side. Bewildered, he asks, what happened? Hala tells Luke that he won the fight. But how? Luke still doesn't understand. Hala says that just when everyone thought Luke was a goner, a rock shot out of the water and hit the Koei, knocking him unconscious. After the fight, the Koei share a feast with the group. As they're eating, Luke senses a dark presence in the Force, Vader, and tells Leia and Hala they need to leave, now. The group reaches the surface just as the Imperials attack. Luckily, the Imperials aren't ready for the Koe, and they're pushed back, allowing Luke, Leia, and the group to escape in an Imperial transport and race toward the temple of Pomojima. Disgusted by how the stormtroopers were routed, Vader assumes command, executes Grommel, and chases after the stolen transport. Luke's group arrives at the temple first and starts searching for the kyber crystal. Soon, Vader arrives and uses the force to throw rubble at Luke, pinning his leg under a small boulder. Vader says he killed the Yuzum, 
and will soon take Luke and Leia into custody. Shaking, Leia takes up Luke's lightsaber and attacks Vader. The princess initially surprises the Dark Lord, but he quickly recovers, driving Leia back. Vader slashes Leia across the leg with his lightsaber, then across the face. Finally, one last slash across her chest, and Leia falls, dropping Luke's saber. As Luke continues to try to free himself from the boulder, one of the dying Yuzum appears and helps push the rubble off his leg, freeing him. Rising, Luke takes up the blade and continues the fight. During the battle, Luke feels the power of the kyber crystal, opening him to the Force. Guided by the spirit of Ben Kenobi, Luke cuts off Vader's arm. Shocked, the Dark Lord continues toward Luke before falling into another Mimbin pit. Exhausted, Luke kneels by the badly injured Leia. Hala approaches, carrying the kyber crystal, and offers it to Luke. Luke takes the crystal and touches it to each of Leia's wounds, closing them and healing the princess. The story ends with Luke, Leia, R2, and 3PO convincing Hala to join the rebellion and to continue to the meeting with the underground on Sarcopus 4. Time for a break. When we return, I'll talk a little more about Splinter of the Mind's Eye and the influences the story has had on the Star Wars saga. I'm Aaron Motes. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Star Wars Legends Lounge. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Star Wars Legends Lounge, where we celebrate the books from Star Wars Legends. But allow me to take a moment and recommend a book from Star Wars Canon. Heir to the Jedi tells the story of Luke Skywalker after the destruction of the first Death Star. Luke's already a phenomenal pilot, but he's a long way from mastering the Force. And now, he's been ordered to carry out a daring rescue mission. Can the burgeoning Jedi complete his mission? while still continuing to grow in the Force? Find out in Heir to the Jedi by Kevin Hearn. Welcome back to the Star Wars Legends Lounge, the show that celebrates the books from Star Wars Legends. I'm Aaron Motes, and today I'm talking about the book Splinter of the Mind's Eye by Alan Dean Foster, the first book in the Star Wars Expanded Universe. As I said at the beginning of the show, Splinter of the Mind's Eye was written as a story for a possible sequel to A New Hope, back when George Lucas didn't know if he was ever going to have the commercial and financial success to continue the story the way he intended in his notes. Of course, we know that a New Hope was a hit, and Lucas was able to continue the story with The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. But even though Lucas was able to continue the story, as most Star Wars fans know, Lucas's notes continually changed. It wasn't always that Anakin Skywalker became Darth Vader, and of course it wasn't always that Luke and Leia were siblings. This is obvious in Splinter of the Mind's Eye. There are many instances in the book where Luke looks at Leia and imagines a romantic life with her. There are one or two 
instances where Leia does the same to Luke. Although she is much more focused on helping the rebellion than she is about her personal feelings. Splinter of the Mind's Eye is a smaller, simpler story. And I often wonder if it was written that way in case A New Hope was only a very modest success, but enough of a success to get Lucas the money he would need to make a second film, but not enough to make what would become The Empire Strikes Back. Maybe he would have made something close to Splinter of the Mind's Eye. If so, I wonder how people would view the Star Wars saga. Obviously, it would have been a lot different. And most likely, it would not have become the success that it did. I look at Splinter of the Mind's Eye as Star Wars history. I don't really look at it as any part of a timeline. Not the Legends timeline, not the canon timeline. But it is a part of Star Wars history. And as such, it has had a pretty big influence on how the story continued. There are parts of Splinter of the Mind's Eye that have made their way into canon. The obvious one is the Kyber Crystal. Now, in this book, the Kyber Crystal is a pretty large red crystal. It's slightly bigger than the size of a human head. Kyber, in this instance, is spelled K-A-I-B-U-R-R. And the presence of the Kyber enhances a Force user's ability to sense the Force around them. It's almost like a little power pack. I kind of like to, I kind of like to think of it as the power pellet in the arcade game Pac-Man. You're still a Force user, but now your ability to access the Force is jumped up a few times. Of course, we know kyber crystals are still in use in Star Wars today. Now, to keep my facts straight, I had to go to Wikipedia to make sure I am not saying anything that isn't true. The kyber crystal was initially used in the original scripts for A New Hope. Obi-Wan Kenobi was looking for the kyber crystal in a chamber on Alderaan. Now, of course, we know the script was changed. Eventually, kyber crystals were reused in the scripts for Attack of the Clones. It was the original name of the poison dart that killed Zam Wessel. It was called a kyber dart. Now, that was eventually changed also to a Kaminoan saber dart. Kyber crystals would eventually come into canon in the Clone Wars television show. In the episode, The Gathering, where the Jedi younglings are trying to construct their first lightsabers. And once Disney bought Star Wars in 2014, the name Kyber Crystal would come to describe all the crystals used in lightsaber construction. Another part of Splinter of the Mind's Eye that eventually became canon, was the planet Mimbin, the Swamp World. Aspects of Mimbin were used by George Lucas when he came up with Dagobah 
for The Empire Strikes Back. But the planet itself would become canon, once again, in The Clone Wars television show. And it would eventually come into live action in the movie Solo, after Han enlists in the Imperial military and he's sent to the front lines on the swampy, muddy planet. Finally, the Koei species has made their way into canon, one of the three native species to Mimbin in the Legends timeline. In canon, they're no longer called the Koei, they're called the Mimbanese, the red humanoid aliens with blue eyes. The Mimbanese, of course, were seen in the Clone Wars television show. There's also a Mimbanese named Waydark, who's a member of the Cloud Riders gang in Solo, and a female Mimbanese named Kira Kuva, who is in the Squadron's video game. So, while Splinter of the Mind's Eye is not really relevant to any Star Wars story, be it in the Legends timeline or, of course, in canon, it has had a great influence on the Star Wars saga. And like I said, I like to think of the book as a piece of Star Wars history. One last little thing about the book that I wanted to point out before the end of the show. You guys know that I like to point out little real-world references that make their way into these books. And right toward the end, only three or four pages from the end, there is a reference to St. Elmo's Fire. In fact, let me read the sentence. Quote, It sought out every extremity, each finger and follicle, like the St. Elmo's Fire of old on the rigging of a sailing ship. Once again, just one of those funny little references that made their way into Legends. Keeping a short tally of the things we know about in a galaxy far, far away, they know what baseball is, they know what raccoons are, and apparently they also have St. Elmo's Fire. Again, one of those funny little things in Star Wars. Now, time to wrap up the show. That's it. We've made it through an entire year of the Star Wars Legends Lounge. I could not have done it without you all and the support that I've gotten from the listeners. So thank you, thank you, thank you for deciding to take this journey with me through some of my favorite stories from a galaxy far, far away. As I said, I'm going to take a little holiday break. I think I'm coming down with a little bit of a cold also. So it'll be nice to rest up a little bit before we come back to the show. Please. Join me again for season number two, starting with Heir to the Empire on January 7th. If you'd like to get in contact with me before then, I'd love to hear from you. Please email the show at swlegendslounge at gmail.com or send me a tweet at legendslounge1. Ask a question, send a message, or if you get a really cool Star Wars gift this holiday season, let me know. Send me some pictures. I love that stuff. Once again, thank you so much for listening to the Star Wars Legends Lounge. I'm Aaron Motes. May the Force be with you. And remember, there's always a bit of truth in Legends.